Welcome, ladies, to Women's Bible Study. We're so grateful and thankful to have you here with us today in this beautiful day. Um, let's just enter this time of worship and talk about the goodness of God. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I am held in your hand. The moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing 
of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. We do, we do, oh God, we remember your goodness today.
Welcome, ladies. We are diving back in. We're on week three. Uh, and I just want to start by saying, Shirley Robinson, thank you so much for teaching this past week. Didn't she do amazing? I love how God speaks through and her heart uh, for his word is so vibrant. So we are blessed to have Shirley last week. If you missed it, go back and check it out. You don't want to miss what she has to teach on. Uh, but right now we're diving into week three. Um, I don't know about you, but watching Paul's journeys has been like, he, that man is crazy. He goes all over the place. And so we've just been tracking with him, watching his journey and learning from each step of the way. And today is no different. Today, we're headed to Jerusalem. The next five chapters will focus on Paul's trip into Jerusalem and his time there. It'll be expounded. So that's where we're going to go today. We're going to Jerusalem together. Um, And we are in Acts 21 and 22. And today we're talking about what it means to be people who focus. If I were to ask you right now in your life, what is the biggest thing you are focusing on? What consumes your time, your energy, your passions? If I were to pull out your agenda, or if we were to look at even maybe a picture of a snapshot of your head, what are you focusing on in this season? You see, Paul was a man of intense focus. He had in mind the mission to make the gospel known to the ends of the earth. And that was the deciding factor of Paul's life. And you can see it in every single text that we've read. 
You see his tenacity, his courage, his boldness, because he never lost focus. And I wonder, even in this season of pandemic, we're all a little distracted. We're all a little sidetracked by things that are going on in the world, the nation. I wonder, what is your focus in this season? And I want to invite you to examine what the Lord would have your focus to be. Because I believe when we're people of focus, when we know the mission of God that's in front of us, uh, it allows for us that tunnel vision, that narrow focus allows for us to have proper direction to where we're going. And we're gonna see that today in Paul. But before we kick off, I wanna share a quote that I read uh, by a man named Brian Tracy. He says, the law of concentration states that whatever you dwell upon grows. The more you think about something, the more it becomes your reality. If you decide that you're in a terrible marriage, guess what? Your marriage will become terrible. If you wake up and decide you're low on energy, you have a headache, you feel lethargic, you want to take a nap, guess what? You're just going to continue to feel more tired throughout the day. End quote. Um, I love that. The law of concentration states that whatever you dwell on grows. And I think that's so true. Whatever we focus on gets bigger. And in this season, uh, it's easy to be focused on all the problems, right? There are a lot of problems uh, nationwide going on in our world. And the more that we tend to dwell on them, the bigger they become. And so we have the power as believers to choose what we focus on because what we focus on is what we see and what we focus on becomes our reality. And so I want to invite all of us today as we read is just to invite the Lord to sh- to sh- reveal to you, to show you what does he want you to focus on in this season. Uh, it's well, The whole concept of gratitude is the more grateful we are, the more we see good things in the world, right? The more we turn our attention to things that are good, the less we have time to dwell on the negative. And this is, this is what we're going to see today with Paul is that when we have focus in the Lord, everything else makes sense. Everything else, all the distractions, everything else goes by the wayside. And so uh, our invitation today is to explore what is God calling you to focus on in this season. And we're going to learn from Paul. So uh, we're diving in Acts 21. We're going through two chapters today, which we've been doing for a while, but there's just so much in it. So we're just going to kind of piecemeal. I'm going to take out little chunks uh, this week and you can follow along with me, but we're going to actually, we're going to dive in in chapter one, starting in verse seven. And this is what it says. It says, this is Paul speaking. It says, we continued our voyage from Tyre and the landed at Potemaeus, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Okay, pause there. Philip, if you'll remember, was a former colleague of Stephen who Paul persecuted and had stoned. Do you remember that? So now Paul is showing up. Now he knows Jesus and he's going to Philip's house. And I can only, I'm sad that Luke didn't go into the detail of what that meeting was like. But what I imagine is that because the cross of Calvary had covered the sins of, of Paul and of the past, that Philip welcomed him with open arms. But you'll remember that Saul, who's now Paul, Saul killed Stephen, Philip's friend. So they go to his house. Continuing on. Uh, verse 10 says, after we'd been there for a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When they heard, when we heard this, we and the people were 
there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. So the first lesson we learn from Paul today from that passage, he goes, uh, Agabus prophesies over him that he's going to get bound, he's going to get chained, and all the people, they react. They say, no, don't go, don't go to Jerusalem. We don't want that to happen to you. And what does Paul say? He says, I'm not only ready to be bound, I'm ready to die. So the first lesson we see today when it comes to focus is we cannot let fear or other people's opinions distract us. You see, when the Lord calls you and I to something, when he invites us into his kingdom work, one of the first things that's going to come up, I almost guarantee it, it happens to me every time that I'm invited into something new with the Lord, the first thing that comes up is that voice of fear, that voice that says, this is going to be costly. Coley, this is going to hurt. Coley, something's going to happen. Coley, rethink this because it's not, it's not going to end well for you. Whenever God invites us to something bigger than ourselves, there is that enemy that wants to get us to be afraid. But really, when we're believers of the Lord, there is no room for fear in the mission of God. And we see that with Paul. His friends are pleading, don't go, don't go. You heard what the prophet said. You could get bound, like stay here. And Paul said, no, 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 no. No, I'm not going to let fear hold me back. And I'm not going to let other people's opinions hold me back. I have a call on my life to preach good news and I'm going to Jerusalem to share the gospel with my brothers and sisters up there. So I wonder in your life today, when you think about your focus or your mission, something that you're passionate about in this season, something you're going after, something the Lord's invited you into, where does fear come up? Where does fear have a role? And where do other people's opinions have a place in your life? I think as women, we're so relational by nature that it's easy for us to really weigh heavily the opinions of others. And that's one of the gifts of community is that God gives us other people to be a sounding board, to speak truth, to encourage. There's nothing wrong with hearing other people's opinions. The problem is when we let other people's opinions distract us or get us off course from what God has asked us to do. Is there anything in your life that the Lord has asked you to do that either fear or someone else's opinions has gotten you off course of doing? What we see here is that Paul, Paul is so clear about what he needs to do that not only is he ready to face persecution, he's like, yeah, they can bind me. He's also ready to die because he knows, he knows what the Lord's asked him to do and his goal is to be obedient. And so if you and I were to examine your life today, something the Lord spoke over you, something the Lord's invited you into, what's something that God's called you to be obedient to? Maybe it is inviting a friend to church. Maybe it's forgiving uh, someone who's hurt you. Maybe it is speaking kindly to someone in your family who is difficult to love in this season. Maybe it's giving more of your money uh, to a cause or a church or something of God's kingdom. I don't know what God's called you to be obedient to, but what I do know is that whenever there's a call out there, usually fear and other people's opinions will come in to try to get us off track. And the, the 
the gift, the goal of this, of this season is to stay focused on what the Lord's asked you to do. Because whenever the Lord asks you to do something, he always provides a way. And so while fear will want to come up and keep you off course, comfort will always call you. And when the Lord asks you to do something that's out of your comfort zone, it's always going to be second nature to think, nah, that's going to be uncomfortable. Like, I don't, I don't really want to be bound. I don't really want to be... Um, have anybody speak ill of me. I don't really want to have a cost to this. That's always going to be a temptation of ours. But as we see in this gospel, Paul just goes straight to it. He said, I know that you're going to be sad and I care about you. And I know that you don't want me to go, but the Lord has told me to go and I'm going to go. And so Paul in his faithfulness, he perseveres, he pushes on. So what today is causing you to fear and what are the opinions of others that you need to put second rate to what God has said to you? If God speaks something to you, we need to hold his word at the highest and take other people's opinions second, but we cannot let our feelings or emotions persuade us away from what God has called us to do. That's the first thing we see today. Um, Now we're going to jump ahead. So then Paul continues on. We're going to jump to um, verse 17. It says, When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James, and all the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard this, they praised God. And then they said to Paul, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them were zealous for the law. They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children and live according to our customs. What shall we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. So do what we tell you. There are four men with us who have made a vow. Take these men, join in their purification rites, and pay their expenses so that they can have their heads shaved. Then everyone will know that there is no truth in these reports about you, but that you yourself are living in obedience to the law. As for the Gentile believers, we have written to them our decision that they should abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. The next day, Paul took the men and purified himself along with them. Then he went to the temple to give notice of the date when the days of purification would end and the offering would be made for each of them. Second thing we learn about focus in this is that don't ever lose focus of people. People matter. In the kingdom of God, people are the mission, not tasks, not building churches, not doing programs, not even feeding others. It's, it's all about people. And Paul doesn't miss that in here. So you see, he goes to this Jewish community and they say, hey, we heard that you've been saying, speaking against our customs and our laws, and the Jews are going to get mad. They don't understand that. And so what's going to help you in this place, Paul, is if you listen to us and if you, if you do a vow of purification with the other Jews, and then they'll see that you still respect the customs, and then maybe they'll listen to you. Sometimes you and I can get so focused on a goal, a mission, a task, Paul getting to Jerusalem and preaching, it can be easy to forget about people. And really, Jesus invites us to put people first and foremost. They're who he loves and who he calls us to love. And so what this community says to him is he says, okay, Paul, you're going to have to do a vow. And so this is called the Nazarite vow. Uh, It was done primarily to be set apart for a time of obedience to the Lord. It was a Jewish custom that allowed people to enter in and grow in their relationship with the Lord. And so what it was is basically they would shave their heads and then they would commit to not drinking any fermented drink, not eating 
any grapes or raisin, nothing touched that could be in the wine category. Um, and then they would also <clears throat> make a certain a certain vow um, that they would not go any near anybody, any dead corpse, nothing. So if a family member passed away, if anything like that happened, they could not go near the body because it would make them unclean. And they set aside a time for prayer, for dedication to the Lord. And what they would do is they would carve out this time of obedience uh, to draw closer to the Lord. And it, their hair would be an outward symbol to others. Hey, I've taken a vow and I'm setting time to be with the Lord, to go to the temple, to be in his presence and I'm removing anything else that could distract me. So it was really a purification rite. And then what happened is men would have to take time off work to consecrate themselves to be in the temple. And so they're saying to Paul, they're saying, hey, why don't you join in this, in the purification rite with others and you can pay for them because Paul had brought an offering from the other churches and they said, you cover this, you cover the customs, you cover the law, you do it with them. The Jews will see that you still value Jewish culture and custom and then they'll be able to hear you. Paul was able to enter in to the Jewish system even if he didn't believe in it, even if he didn't think, if he, even if he, though he knew the law is not the way to Jesus, Paul still took part in this and said, absolutely, I will do the purification rites. I'll do the customs so that the Jews will know that I'm for them, that I'm not against them, and that I still love them. I'm part of their community. And these things aren't wrong. They're just not the only way to Jesus. It's not works anymore. It's by faith through Jesus Christ. And so Paul does... <clears throat> He enters the temple and he does this purification with them. Why? Because Paul knows that people matter. How he enters into a culture, how he enters into a people group, it makes a difference in your ability to be able to relate and to, to connect with people. And that's one of the things that I think is our biggest focus in this season is how you and I can connect and relate to the people that are around us, especially the people that are different, right? Because we live in Los Angeles. If you're, you might be following from a different city, but I imagine your city has some nuances too. But there are so many different people groups, different hospitals hobbies, different political figures that people support, different celebrities people follow. We live in a culture with so many different options. Our mission, one of our focuses is to meet people where they're at. Um, I don't think he'll mind me sharing this. Matt Price uh, is a pastor on staff. He's phenomenal. He's a pastor of evangelism. And Matt really has a heart for the lost. He has a heart to connect with people that do not know Jesus. And so Matt was thinking about a way that he could connect with people in a, in a way that was safe for them, that they felt comfortable, that how could Matt go to them to bring the good news of Jesus? And so Matt developed something called Theology on Tap. I think there might be a different name, but basically they meet in a bar and they have conversations about Jesus. And the thing about Matt is, this is what I love and this is the point I'm gonna make, Matt doesn't really drink, he doesn't like drinking, but he goes to a bar and he orders a beer so that he can be one of the people and be comfortable among them and invite them into his world. You see, God calls us to go into all the world and make disciples, he calls us uh, to, it, in, to embrace, to be part of, to go into different sectors, to adopt other people's cultures, to value what other people value. And so we see Paul doing this so well, where he knows that only Jesus Christ can save, and yet he goes to the Jewish people and he says, yes, I will do the purification ritual, I'll be in the temple praising, I will do all the things of Jewish custom so that I can be with the people and can share the good news of Jesus with them. I wonder, Who's your sphere of influence? Who's in your world that God's inviting you to focus on 
and to get into their world. Maybe it's somebody in your group that likes tennis or golf, things that you don't like. Maybe it's trying something new with them. Maybe it's it's joining a club or a com committee that one of your neighbors are in that you don't really have a lot of interest in, but you care about what she cares about and you want to be part of her world. Maybe it's going to someone's family event, even though you have your own family and your own stuff going on, but it's just entering in to someone else's community and place where you can build relationships and speak in. Oh, there's this famous verse in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. This is Paul speaking. And this is what he says. <clears throat> he says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings." Here's the deal. You and I are invited to love other people. And Paul doesn't miss that in his mission. When he goes to Jerusalem to preach, he's not there to smack a Bible over someone's head, to drill in facts about, about the gospel. He's there to be with the people, to be one of them, to enter in, to have grounds and permission to speak. We, you see, we need relationship before we're allowed to speak into someone else's life. So Paul doesn't lose that in his focus. He focuses on the people that God's entrusted to them. Who are the people that God has entrusted you to? Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's a group of friends. Maybe it's your Bible study table. Uh, maybe it's a school group. Maybe it's someone in your work. What would it look like for you to focus on the people that are in your world right now? What would it look like to enter in to where they're at? Instead of inviting them into your world to do the things you like, to come to your church, what would it look like to go to them? What would it look like to be part of their lives, to enter into their world, to even speak their language? When we were in India, a big part of what we did was just trying to enter into the local culture. So we would go to food carts that people went to. We would ride on you know, the same public transportation as others. We would take the train. We would go where people were and try to be among them, to try to bring light into different vectors, vectors or sectors of the city. Our goal, we dressed like Indians. We ate like Indians when we were there because our goal wasn't to stand out and be different. It was really to assimilate and to get to know people and to meet them on their level and out of that to build relationships to share the gospel. You are relational by nature. That's how God made you. Whether you think of yourself like that or not, who is God calling you to focus on in this season? Who is he calling you to enter into their territory and to bring the good news of Jesus? I'd love for you to think about that. Even pray about that today. If no one comes to mind or no group, ask the Lord, Lord, what group or what person would you ask me to focus on so that I can enter in on their level and build a relationship uh, out of love and hope and the promise of Jesus Christ? That's one of the things that God invites us to in focus. So carrying on, <clears throat> so then he goes in, he gets purified. Well, the, this is what happens. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read all of it because it's kind of long, but basically Paul is at the temple and they, suddenly they see him. 
the Jews see that Paul is there and they think that Paul has brought in his Greek friends to the temple. So in Jewish law, it's a big deal that only Jews are allowed in the synagogue. And so for him to bring in Gentiles or someone outside would be a huge offense. He didn't, by the way. He was with uh, the other men that are Jewish and they're doing the purification rites, but they don't know that. So they see Paul and this starts an uproar. The whole city is enraged because not only have they heard that Paul's preaching things opposite of their culture and custom, now he's bringing, they think he's bringing Gentiles into their holy synagogue and the city goes wild there's they start to riot they get mad and so then anyways we see this violent mob coming and then we get to the point in verse 37 where Paul addresses what's going on they start beating him Uh, he's getting taken out and this is what he says verse 37 it says as the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks he asked the commander may I say something to you do you speak Greek he replied Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the wilderness some time ago? Paul answered, I am a Jew from Tarsus of Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. After receiving the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic, which is their native language, it's their heart language. He's speaking to them at their level. He said, verse 1, Chapter 22, brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women, throwing them into prison. As the high priest and all the council can themselves testify, I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. Paul owns his story and he tells it, which brings us to our third point. When we think about focus and we think about what it means to be people who focus and live in focus, we cannot focus on what we don't have. We have to focus on what we have and who God made us to be. You see, Paul starts Paul starts this. It's not an ideal situation to preach to the crowd. Let's start right there. Sometimes you and I wait for circumstances to be in our favor, to be in line before we will go forward with our mission. Paul doesn't wait for that. They're about to stone him. They're going to kill him. And what Paul, having a focus of preaching the gospel, he thinks, okay, it's now or never. So Paul addresses the man who's about to lead him away and says, wait, 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 wait. This is the perfect opportunity. They all want to kill me. Can I speak now? And the guy's like, what? Who are you? Are you the Egyptian revolter that led the tourists away or the terrorists away? And Paul's like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not that tall. I'm a different guy. And I got something to say. So Paul owns who he is. He owns a story. And then he starts, he just lays out his past. He says, I was raised as zealous as you are. I used to persecute these people. This was my job. He owns his past. He doesn't shy away from it. And sometimes I think you and I, when we think about doing things for God's kingdom, when we think about sharing the gospel, when we think about preaching, when we think about doing things of the Lord, you and I think that everything has to be right. 
Everything has to be perfect. Every situation has to be in line. We have to be the right people. So often we use justification as a reason to not do what the Lord's called us to, right? We wait for everything to be in its place. Or you think, oh, I'm not really, I'm not really ready yet to share the gospel with my friends. I think I'm going to wait another year or two of like Bible study, and then maybe I'll learn more, and then maybe I'll know enough. Or I'm not really, I'm not really comfortable going into a community I don't know. So I'm just going to like, I'm just going to wait till COVID passes. I'm going to assess it. I'm going to figure it out later. You and I, I'm at least myself, I'm the queen of excuses of why we don't do things. Oh, the circumstance not right. Uh, uh, this doesn't seem like an appropriate place to share the gospel or this does, I don't want to offend anybody or I just want to be I want to be sensitive to people right not Paul Paul sees they're about to kill him and Paul's like bingo focus this is an opportunity and he gets up and he says this is who I am I used to be zealous I used to kill people I used to have letters sent to get people who are specifically persecuted for their faith in the way followers of Jesus. He owns his story and he says, and then he goes on and we're not going to read it all because you've heard this story before. Luke has recorded this story multiple times. Paul tells the story of his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Sometimes the greatest thing that you and I have to offer is our own encounter with Jesus. And whatever that looks like, for all of us it's different. Whatever your true encounter with the Lord is, that's exactly what the Lord wants to use. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to be blindsided on the road uh, and hear Jesus speak to you. You could have met Jesus when you were three in a Catholic church that your grandma brought you to. You could have met Jesus two months ago talking to a friend who invited you to Bible study. You could have met Jesus 40 years ago in a little Lutheran church in the Midwest and come to believe in him. We all have a different story of meeting Jesus and getting to know him. But what matters is not the circumstance of your story, not if it's this huge story like Paul's or what feels like a small story. Whatever your story is, God wants you to use it for his glory. It's not what we don't have. It's exactly what we do have and who we are. God wants to use everything in your life for his good. Did you hear that? everything in your life, the good things you've gone through, the traumas you've experienced, the mess you've made of things, the sin you've lived through, the pain you've been in, the family you're from, everything about your story is the tool that God gives you to fill his mission, to focus on the call that all of us have, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, to love our neighbors as ourselves. That is the call on all of our lives. And God's saying, you don't need to wait until everything is perfect. You don't need to wait till the, the crowds are quieted. You don't need to wait until your friends ask you about Jesus. You don't need to wait until you feel like your apologetics, your ability to defend the gospel are on point and up to seminary standard. You don't have to wait for any of the external circumstances to be ready or for yourself to be perfect. God wants to use whatever you have for his glory. I just think of the boy who shows up with two fish and five loaves of bread and he says, hey, this is all I have. And God feeds the 5,000. Whatever you offer God, he will use. And that's what we see in this story right now. Paul is about to get killed and he stands up and he tells his testimony. He says, hey, I haven't been perfect. I used to persecute these people. And then I met Jesus. I had an encounter with the living God. <clears throat> and as you'll see, as we read on, it doesn't, doesn't go super well, right? 
because the focus of Paul's life is to share the gospel with others. Paul is not in this to only see people come to the Lord, to only build churches. If he, in this message, people want to kill him. They, they riot more and he gets dragged away to the, by the centurion. But that's not the focus of Paul's life. Paul is not in control of the results. Paul is not in control of what happens. All he's doing is he's being obedient to the call on his life. He's focused on the end goal, which is doing what the Lord has asked him to do, regardless of the results. When this happens, he brings up that the Lord has sent him to, to go speak to the Gentiles and everyone goes mad. They're about ready to stone him. They want to kill him. And then the crowd drags him away. Then he, then he goes <clears throat> to the centurion and the centurion is about ready to flog him. He's about ready to just kind of whip him mercilessly as a way of torture to get information from him. And Paul says to him, he says, hey, can you, do you know that I'm a Roman citizen? You can't do this. You see, the thing is, back in the day, the Romans had a very specific policy of how things had to happen. There was papers that needed to be signed. There was, there was all these rules that you had to go through in order to be able to persecute or imprison a Roman citizen. And Paul knew that. And so the centurion is like, wait, what? You're a citizen? Like, he realizes instantly that he did something wrong. He misstepped the bounds, the legal bounds of the law. And so Paul says, yeah, I'm a Roman citizen. And the guy gets it. He gets in check and he's like, okay, he, I, I didn't know. And he, re, he releases, he releases uh, Paul from the punishment. You see, God knows that Paul's a Roman citizen. And God knows whatever, whatever country, state that you are a citizen. God made you with your exact DNA and he will use it for his glory. And so I wonder, I wonder what parts of your life or your story uh, do you think aren't measuring up? do you think disqualify you somehow from the race? Because the reality is those things are some of the good stuff. That's what God uses and wants to use to bring other people into the kingdom. Paul used his exact story, what he had, a, a crowd of angry riders who wanted to stone him. And he had a few minutes before the things were going to turn over. And he said, you know what? Great. I'm going to use whatever opportunity I have. He preached to them in their native language. And he said, this is my story. This is who I am. This is how I came to believe in Jesus. And I invite you to follow him. Paul was not in charge of the results. He didn't get to control who followed. If people responded well to him, he just said, I'm just being obedient to the call that's on my life. And so I wonder, circling back, what has the Lord invited you to in this season? Maybe you haven't made, made the time to just sit with him and say, God, who did you create me to be? And how do you want to use me? Because here's the thing, you and I as humans can get so focused and distracted on the myriad of things in this world. Our jobs, our communities, our friends, social outings, the current pandemic situation. There's just so much stuff on our plate all the time that comes at us in the world. TV, kids, you name it. There's always something that's going to distract us. But the reality is God has made you with a purpose and for a purpose. And the clearer that you can identify what that focus is, the clearer your mission can be on figuring out how to get there. You see, focus determines our direction. When we can focus on something, we can move towards it. And so I wonder, uh, just in this lesson this week, what is God inviting you to focus on? Would you spend time with him this week? Would you just sit with him and say, God, show me who or what you want me to focus on? And then would that focus consume me? Would that focus 
grow? Would that focus be what I am chasing after instead of being worried or afraid or all the other things that want to take our focus away from Jesus? What would it look like to focus on what God has for you? Hebrews 12 one says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. May you and I this week spend time focusing on Jesus, fixing our eyes on him who loves us so, so much. May we not be distracted by fear, by other temptations. May you and I choose to be people who focus on who Jesus is and what he's called us to do in this season. Because friends, the Lord wants to use you in this season. In this pandemic, is there's no other time that I can think that people are more frightened, lost, isolated, scared, and needing something bigger than themselves. This is our time to bring good news to the poor, to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives. This is our season to be used by God, but it starts with us focusing on him and what he's called us to. And so my prayer for you this week is that you would invite Jesus to bring focus into your life, that you'd allow him to highlight people or places Whatever it is he's called you to, my hope would be that you would spend time thinking about it and praying about it and that that would consume your world this week, that Jesus at the center would be the focus and that that would bring so much fruit and freedom to your life. So I want to pray for you as we go that we would have the focus that Paul had, that we would see that the gospel is the call and the mission on our lives, that we are called to love others and love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and mind, that that would be even a starting focus for you this week. So let's pray and invite the Lord to give us new eyes to see where he's calling us to focus so that we can create just the pathway and the direction that the Lord has invited us to walk in and that we can see fruit as we go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the example of Paul and what a focused disciple he was, Lord. Would you help us this week, Lord, to be women of focus? Would you show us what you want us to focus on and how you want us to focus on it, Lord? We invite you to remove all fear, to remove distractions, Lord, and to give us just a sense of the people you've called us to love and minister to, Father. Um, just out of who we are and who you created us to be. So Lord, would the Holy Spirit stir in each of us right now? And there, would there just be a nudge or a sense of what our focus needs to be this week specifically? Uh, we thank you for your example of Jesus Christ, whose focus was to go to the cross, God, to be obedient to you, to bring us eternal life. We're so grateful and we want to be women of focus. So we invite you to help us do that this week. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. May you be women who focus this week. God bless you, and we'll see you back next week.